Hello, folks. Welcome to the Soul to Fit Renewable Energy Show. Bill Gallagher, I hear you here with you again this morning from our studio in Holly Hill, Florida. It is a beautiful day out today. I will start out with a weather report. It's probably about 79 degrees. We're in the middle part of November. Just came off one terrific storm. Came out of nowhere and uh, really did some damage to our town and you know, God bless the people in Southwest Florida recovering from Eon, and here comes Nicole hitting the East Coast. So, gosh darn! But anyway, we're all on the road recovery, and I got to give a real shout out to the folks up in Flagler. They've done a beautiful job of fixing A1A, which was caved in for about the tenth time. And and I live in Ormond by the Sea, and my road was even, you know, caved in. Anyway, they did a, did a beautiful job. Hats off to Daytona Dodge Chrysler Jeep for their loyal sponsorship and for our uh, champion driver, Daniel Dye. He's going into the Craftsman Truck Series this year. He'll be driving the number 43 Chevrolet truck for GMS Motorsports. We are so proud of him, and it's going to be exciting. I don't know if you've been following what GMS is doing, but uh, Jimmy Johnson is joining them. Of course, you've got R- Richard Petty. Uh, Petty GMS. I mean, it's just so exciting to see a local rock star. I, th- I think back to the days of uh, Farball Roberts and Richie Ponch. The guys are from Daytona Beach, so we're very, very fortunate to have them here. Anyway, and thanks for everyone for your help in the Race to Stop Suicide. Uh, you'll see it on our cars, our vans, and you'll see it in the race car all across the country. So thank you for that. We've got a very special guest that stopped by today, Mr. Mike Feldbauer, who is the Flagler County Drug Court Foundation. Michael, thanks for stopping by. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate you, you inviting me down. Well, this was a long trip for you. It must have taken about a half an hour. Oh, yeah. I'm in heavy traffic. <laughs> was it, was it really? <laughs> no, oh, not at all. <laughs> you know, when you speak of heavy traffic, you just got to think of how blessed we are right here. Yep. You know, sometimes we get a little ruffled because it stops up a little bit but all you got to do is go to orlando one time to go oh god bless daytona palm coast right oh yeah orlando south florida unless you have to you don't want to you don't want to sure sure well michael you've got a heck of a history we're just uh, talking a little bit before the interview a, a one of the original IBM guys. Talk a little bit about where you where you came from. Well, I originally came, Bill. I came from a place called White Plains, New York, twenty five miles north of New York City. That's where I grew up. There's where I went to school through high school, and uh, that was an IBM city back then. And uh, shortly after I graduated from from high school, uh, I started going to part time college at night and went to work for IBM during the day. And I spent uh, about three and a half, four years with them doing that. And it was a great company. Um, some people say, well, why did you leave? And I said, well, I'm, sometimes I think back on that. <laughs> and I said, I've always had a desire to help people. And I grew up in the YMCA in, in White Plains in their youth department. Not their physical department. I'm not a big phys ed guy, but in their youth department. And I was always involved, and I was a volunteer after I graduated from school with them in their youth department and the youth program. I was uh, on the board of directors, and I felt that this was a calling to help people. So I left IBM to become a youth director for the YMCAs, which I did for several years, and then determined quite frankly, which has put me kind of where I am now, that I could accomplish more as a volunteer than an employee. So I went back into the business world, which I spent uh, the rest of my time until I retired officially 16 years ago in the business world, but always doing volunteer work and helping people. That's where it it got me now. 
Well, that's an amazing story. You know, I always I always like to dig back a little bit deeper because <laughs> you know, folks with with your aptitude and attitude, they came by it typically from their relatives. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think, and we mentioned we were talking a little bit about it. I, I came from a family that always worked hard. Uh, my dad had a phenomenal work ethic. He, from a little child, he'd take me to work with him. So I got to see what it, he had to do to earn a living to put food on the table and also gave us a good relationship at the same time. And that's the area that we've, we've come from that uh, we look back and And like I said to earlier, I said we look at hearing people complaining about the current generation, but it's not the current generation. It's the generation that trained them is the problem. And I was blessed to have a great generation who came from another great generation, grandparents stuff, that trained us up with integrity and incredible work ethics. That is really what we need to return to. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but we need a lot of volunteers just like you to do yeah, it. But, yeah. uh, but it is it is exactly the story. We we just we want to we want to get back to where we were, where you know that we can leave our doors unlocked and everything's done with a handshake, and there's and there's no such thing as differencing parties and stuff like that. We're in America, I and mean, we need to we need to get back there. We do. We really do. But anyway, not to get uh, sidetracked. I don't know, folks. If this is the first time you've listened to our show, we talk about, of course, renewable energy. We talk about uh, sustainability. We talk about life issues. We talk about health issues. And the reason Mike has uh, been. Uh, kind enough to join us today is there's a very very serious thing that's happening across our country today and that's uh drug use and i think anybody that's been watching in the news at any time at all is aware that this has become a serious problem and you know i think michael and his group are the leaders in uh, I, I don't know if i want to call it interdiction but just uh, recovery methods talk, talk about that a little bit yeah i mean we've got we, the Flagler county drug court foundation was founded initially to help participants in the drug court program. Drug court program was started to, instead of having an incarceration model, to take people that were arrested on drug charges of some sort, nonviolent, non-sexual, and give them an opportunity to recover, to start a new life. And in 2009, the Flagler County Drug Court Foundation was founded, again, to help the participants in things the court can't do for them. We started, we start with very little stuff. We, we help them with education. A lot of them don't have their high school, so we help them get their GED. We help them with job training so when they finish the program, they can come and do something better than they were doing before, not leading them back, but leading them forward. And that's the primary thing. So we do life skill training. We do job training. We do uh, educational stuff. Uh, we also help in, in specific areas where the person might need a, a specialized treatment that doesn't come n- normally with the treatment that is provided by the court, maybe special trauma treatment or something like that. So we help them out with that. And we our goal is to have somebody complete the program, but then have a better life afterwards, not go back to where they came from. So they're not getting back into trouble. They're moving forward. Yeah, and that is that's what we want them to do. Is there, and I know the answer to this, but I got to ask it anyway. Is there any type of typical person that that's involved in drug use? It seems to be all over the board. Yeah, substance abuse has no boundaries. Absolutely none. It's not economics. It's not race. It's not education. 
it affects all aspects of life. And what we've seen in in our country, too, that it affects people that had no, no, no understanding they were getting into it because of medicines that were given to them and not properly managed. We find lots of people have gotten involved in, in substance abuse because they were given an opiate for pain and, and the giver of the opiate never managed it for them to get them from the pain to no pain to no opiate use. So we find that, again, that's one of those things that have changed the age back to the, the, the stereotypical drug user of what we see on in Hollywood, you know, in back alleys of New York, Chicago, L.A., Dallas, whatever, is not. Okay? I come from a very beautiful county, Flagler County. And I'm sorry to say at the current time, Flagler County is the eighth highest overdose county per capita in the state of Florida out of 67. And to make it worse, we're the highest overdose death county in the state of Florida per capita. And it's not where people think it is. It's not, it's not in the areas that most people would stereotypically think that's where it's happening. No, it's happening in beautiful, beautiful Flagler, beautiful Palm Coast. And so it spreads over. It, um, we're going to talk a little bit about Narcan as we go forward, which is a, a way of helping people survive an overdose. And the leaders of my Narcan program are parents of a child that overdosed and died. Okay, and they lived in a guarded, gated community. So we don't look at a, a economics. We don't look at where you live. We know it can be any place. What about all the uh, all the stuff that's coming across the southwestern border? Is that kidding into our area as well? Oh, dramatically so. Really, dramatically so. The the fentanyl that's coming in. Uh, that appears to be coming first from China, then to, to Mexico, and then across the border. Um, a grain of sand can kill you. That's how much. Wow. Uh, we know that, and we've been blessed with our sheriff, Sheriff Staley, and his team have stopped a lot of it. But the amount that they have stopped would have wiped out the entire county. Wow. So, yeah, it's terrible, and it's that is hitting, again, all areas of life. We're finding it now as the youngest that we've heard about is an 11-year-old because some of these people are turning this fentanyl into candy lookalikes, and they don't know what they're taking. And they're putting it into everything. They're putting it into marijuana. They're putting it into this pill. they got these phony pill machines that they make. It makes it look like it's a real pill. I don't understand their business how they figure that they're going to continue business by killing all, killing all their customers. But again, and the customer doesn't know that it's there. And I want to make one important fact before I forget. I have never, ever met somebody that suffers from substance abuse, whether it's drugs or alcohol or anything, that wanted to be one. Yeah, a good point. How do you identify that? I mean, you know, we're all huge fans of Sheriff Staley. Sheriff Chitwood, we, yep. we are so blessed here to have strong leadership. But you got that what, right. <laughs> what do you need help? You know, I mean, it, it needs a community effort to identify this. How do you how do you know what the pill looks like? Well, the problem is we don't know. So you got to be careful where you get it from, who you get it from. Don't take a pill from from somebody else. 
if it's not prescribed to you and you don't pick it up at the drugstore, don't take it because you don't know. These pill machines, these black market pill machines can make things look 100% real. So is it, are, are pe- how are they getting a hold of it? Are there, are there dealers? They're or? black market, in, black market internet. They can find it. You know, today you can find anything you want. So are, are people ordering that stuff? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. With, with what intention? Well, to, to, to pretend it's not what it is. You get stopped and you get a pill that looks like a legitimate pill on you. Unless they take some of it to test it, they're not going to know, so you're not going to get picked up for it. Or you get somebody started. You go to a park. Listen, I talk about, you and I are about the same age, and we can remember being stupid in our lives. Okay? You're talking about yesterday? <laughs> no. Oh, but let's talk, about our, okay. let's talk about our early teens, where we might have gone to an event or something, and a friend said, hey, try this beer, try this, this try that, and you did. Okay. Today, when they say, try this pill, try this thing, they do. It would, there's no intent. Okay. It's just typical, that age bracket of experimentation. And, you know, nothing can hurt me. So that's where it happens. And that's what starts it. Um, the, the couple I was telling you about that lost her daughter, her addiction came from medical. She was injured, and they started, the, the doctors gave her his opioids to, to take care of the pain, but didn't manage it. And she, her body was one of those bodies that said, okay, here we go. And uh, they are a, a great couple. They've dedicated their lives now with the Narcan program and distributing that throughout the county to make sure another parent doesn't have to have that happen because they were unaware of Narcan back when that happened. It wasn't as knowledge and people weren't aware of it then. Otherwise, they would have had it because they knew their daughter had a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I can just see how difficult it would be for the sheriff's deputies and, and, you know, police in general to identify what substances are. Are there special test kits and stuff that they use? Yeah, some of it, they carry kits. They test some stuff right on the spot. And if they're suspected of it, then it goes into it has a laboratory, a, a real definitive test yeah. to make sure. So there's really different categories. There's there's the youth that are just crazy. You know, I can remember back in the Woodstock days. You know, because I was I grew up pretty close to Woodstock, and uh, and my friends they all like to smoke marijuana. And uh, yep. And I I gotta tell you, I I tried it once. I did try. I actually inhaled. That's the only time I ever did it. I did it twice. I couldn't do it. I, I can't I, smoke. I, I I tried it twice, but I'm a I'm a control freak, and I don't want to lose. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to lose my own control. That's what happened to me. Yeah. Excuse me. But you talk about even that, the marijuana, and with what's been going on with the medical marijuana and them trying to make it a recreational thing. When you and I were in that in that age bracket, the amount of THC, which is the chemical in marijuana that gets people that high, okay, was 3%. Now it's 25%. Holy mackerel. So it's no longer just a little high. It's no longer, back then it did not, in most cases, become a physical addiction. It was more of a mental addiction. Now, with 25%, the sciences are proving that now it's leading. It definitely leads to the next step. It is more of a physical addiction than it was earlier. And, and the growth that we're seeing throughout the country of recreational marijuana, 
because the gardeners are getting a lot more smart, and they they know how to develop the stuff and make it really strong and effective, because then they're going to get more sales. So just for my curiosity, like a marijuana plant or something like that, that doesn't have anything added to it unless somebody adds to it. Am I right, or is it? Well, I, I don't know how what the seeds are today, but I know that they've developed, like in all aspects of farming and gardening, they develop things that can chemically increase okay. what you're looking to, to harvest. And that's what's happened now with marijuana. So we've gone that from that 3% THC to 25% THC, which is substantial, because if you remember what your friends looked like back in the 60s when they, when they left Woodstock after smoking, can you imagine if they had had something from 3 to 25% stronger than what they were using back then? Yeah. Uh-huh. They would have been even goofier. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I don't know. The statues of limitations run out here, Mike. We might have to... <laughs> Oh my gosh! Here's, I think, I think we're all right. Here. Hello, Sheriff. No. I think I think we're all right. <laughs> no, no. God bless our sheriffs. God bless all of all of our uh, people that are out there keeping us safe. Folks, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to ca- talk about Narcan. Narcan. Narcan, and you're going to be really amazed. Stay with us. We'll be right back. See this. It's a generator for your home. Never needs gas, no moving parts, and it's quiet as a church mouse. Hurricane or power outage headed our way? No worries now. It's a solar generator for your home that works day and night and pays for itself through energy savings and tax credit. Hi, folks. This is Bill Gallagher with SolarFit. We're your Tesla-certified Powerwall installer, and the future is here. Give us a call today for all the details. 445-7606. SolarFit, your life, and set yourself free with the sun's free energy. Hi, folks. Welcome back to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. Bill Gallagher with my friend Michael Feldbauer with Flagler County Drug Court Foundation. He's here. I hope you caught the first session. It was really informative. I learned a lot. Uh, if you missed it, uh, go to our podcast, and we will definitely be able to tune you in on that. Michael, before the break, we gave him a little bit of a tip about Narcan. Narcan. Okay, you got to tell me what that is. Okay. Today, with all the overdoses, and we're talking about opiate overdoses at this point. That's what Narcan does. Um, opiates attack a part of the brain, okay? And when it attacks that part of the brain, it slows everything down. It gives out a fast high, but then it starts doing negative things, like it can stop your breathing, okay? It can kill you. So Narcan, what Narcan does, if you come across somebody that's down and you can give them a dose or two, or sometimes now with the higher stuff coming through, three or four doses, it will bring that, it, it, it terminates that connection that the opiate had with the brain receptor long enough, hopefully, that you can get medical help there, okay? Giving Narcan, you don't have to be a, a medical technician. Uh, we train people how to do it. There's good videos how to do it. It's simple. It's a nasal injection. We have these little boxes that we give away that have two doses in them. They're all four milligram doses. If you see somebody down, you don't have to know that that it's drugs. Assume. Because Narcan cannot hurt anybody. Not a child, not a dog. It has... I kidded you earlier. I told you it was developed in the 50s basically for people that were constipated. So the, the negative effect it can have on somebody is diarrhea. 
but it saves lives. It saves lives every day. The attorney, gen- the surgeon general, of the state of Florida, desires to have every family have Narcan with them in their home, in their car, on their person, because you never know. If you're a grandparent and the kids come to visit, and you have had been taking maybe some opiates for pain that's been prescribed, and they got it. If you have the Narcan, you can save the kid's life. We had an issue that at one of the nursing homes, a prescribed amount of fentanyl, because fentanyl is actually a legal medical thing, not the junk coming over the border, had a fentanyl patch. But for, for some reason, it was more than this particular person's body could handle. So they were overdosing, and Narcan saved her life. Uh, I tell the story, I came home one day after I'm driving into my neighborhood in Palm Coast, and a, there's a car pulled off to the side of the road, and a gentleman slumped over his, his steering wheel. Another couple was already out. They appeared to be calling 911, which it, they did. I jumped out, saw what it was, gave him one dose, didn't bring him around. You wait a little period of time. Gave him a second dose, and he came around. That gave enough time for EMS, for the emergency people to get there and help him. Wow. You know what? That is such an important message for people to hear. I never heard of it. And we are, our, our group that handles it, we were the first nonprofit in Flagler County to get a, a grant to give Narcan away. Each of the boxes that we have has two doses in it. Each of those boxes you can go to Walgreens or CVS and buy it. You don't have to have a prescription for it. Average price is one seventy five to two hundred dollars a box. Holy schmoly. And we've been given the grant from DCF to give it away as much as we can. That is amazing. So we train, we do we go we go into uh, we went into when I met your your folks here, I met them, we were doing a training at the VFW, doing training to the VFW people and the and D A V people. We go to school parent meetings, training parents what to do, how to look, what to, how to how to handle it. Uh, our team is out bringing Narcan to motels, gas stations, any place. There's a public restroom because that's where people will use and try to use. So we're out trying to get it delivered to as many people in the county as we possibly can. Because just like my experience, I had no no thought. That I was going to come across somebody, and you don't know. No, you really don't. Well, these, you know, it, it appears there's a multitude of different ways to accidentally or intentionally overdose, right? Exactly. Yep. So, so if it's a medical situation, and say somebody has uh, hip replacement, mm-hmm. and they're given some type of uh, uh, opiate, opiate just to, to for the manage the pain. Yep. But they keep on taking that. It's pretty easy to become addicted, right? It's easy to become addicted, okay? It's, it's also easy to unintentionally overdose. Uh, I'll use the example of an elderly folks, okay, that are taking stuff and maybe get confused and take too many of their pills. Well, if they're lucky enough, blessed enough to be staying with people that take care of them and they see that and the Narcan's there, they can revive them. Accidents happen. And like I told you earlier, in all the years I've been doing this for about 10 years now, working with the world of recovery, I've never met somebody that's involved in substance abuse that wanted to be. It's not how it started. 
more cases than the public is willing to admit to happened because of pain management, okay? Uh, a high percentage of the people that have gotten addicted and then got into the use of, of substances to cure the pain have a lot of trauma in their life that's never been dealt with. So it's self-managing, self-medicating that causes not thinking they were going to get addicted. Okay? That's not the intention. It really isn't. So I see your point when, you know, when elderly people, when they get to the age where managing everything is a challenge from their bank account to everything else, and they have these little pill boxes, and one mm-hmm. says Monday, the other says Thursday, and somewhere it's Tuesday, right? Right. <laughs> if they put the, the wrong pill in the wrong slot, which is absolutely possible right so they could they could just over yeah that is huh it's not impossible for people that aren't going through that to make that same mistake so it's even more possible for those that are having those issues to make those mistakes so what we need to do in, in educating the public is reduce the stigmatism of people that have gotten hooked because it could be your grandma or your grandpa and it wasn't intentional you know you you really it's really intriguing when you talk about folks that uh, are incarcerated, and it's not a nonviolent incarceration. And of course, they've got this stigma, if you will, uh, over their head, makes them very difficult to find employment, right? Because everyone's looking for that. Right. Um, talk a little bit about what you've been able to do, along with uh, Sheriff Staley from the jail thing, to get these people on the right, right. track. Well, let me first start with the drug court, and I'll work our way back into the jail. Yeah. Uh, if if a drug court participant is doing well, you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better employee. They're drug tested two to three times a week. Most businesses don't do that. They don't know. So here, when you're doing that, plus the fact they've got a judge that's looking over them, a probation officer looking over, a drug court uh, manager is looking over, and our whole team that does that. So there's a positive things that we when we can talk to employers. And they have them understand that's good. We can get that. In our county, I, I praise our sheriff's department because of what they've done in the world of recovery, which you don't see many places. Right now at the Green Roof Inn, Sheriff Staley's jail, okay, our, the, the chief out at the jail has been able to bring in several programs um, to help people that have been arrested on drug offenses but not violent, not that, not the stuff that you think of. They're not out in the back alley shooting up people. They they got caught with drugs. They got caught doing something, and it was really the drugs that was doing it to make it happen. So now we have a men's and women's separate pods in the jail that these people, and it's voluntarily they get into it, where they can get into these pods and have in jail treatment five days a week. They have a 90-day program that they go through, a uh, uh, treatment program, which has really proven to be excellent. So, number one, they can get treatment. Number two, they've instituted a lot of specialized job training. They did car wrap. So, they, you can go out and you see how people are wrapping up their vehicles, business vehicles, well, all our police cars now. We've got trained people doing that, and several of those people have gotten really good, high-paying jobs. They just graduated a group uh, that went through HVAC training with, set, with, with certification up to the federal level at certain parts of HVAC. Uh, 
They just did a uh, food management training certification at the highest level. They've got uh, a group uh, that teaching uh, tailoring for the women. They're doing tailoring, showing to create. That's a skill that's very valuable. So don't fool around in our county. Sheriff Staley and his men will get you. They'll mean business. But his goal is not to have you come back. Reduce the recidivative rate. And that's the same goal that drug court has. Reduce the recidivative rate. Reduce that relapse rate. Get people back to where they were before they got in trouble. Well, it sounds like, uh, Michael, this is something that SolarFit needs to be involved in. It sounds like it's a, uh, it's something that's helpful to the people that are trying to recover and it would definitely be helpful to us in our industry because we're growing and we need good people you know yeah but i didn't know all this stuff existed that 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 is amazing so we're almost out of time i cannot believe how quickly this is done how can people help how can they get involved if they know somebody that they feel is maybe on the cusp of this tell tell us how they can get involved well i don't have all the answers but but you can call me and i'll try to direct you to the right place my phone number is, is where I came from when I moved down here and wrote out from Rhode Island is 401-864-6997. And my email address is first initial M, last name, Feldbauer, F as in Frank, E-L, D as in David, B as in boy, A-U-E-R. Call. I'm, I'm running crazy, so if you do get my voicemail, I will return it. Okay? And so if you need some help or guidance... Please, I'll try to get you to the right place. Well, Michael, this has been fantastic. I, I really hope a lot of folks have listened in, and this will be streamed globally the, on Saturday. Actually, as you're listening in today, you'll hear it. It'll be over the net uh, across the globe, so they'll know what you're doing, and we really appreciate what you're doing and stopping in for sure. Well, I thank you for have, having us because one of the prime things that we do is we want to make people aware of what's going on. We do need help. Our foundation is looking for volunteers to help us in a variety of different ways based on their own personal gifts and skills that they can help either the group or participants. So if anybody is out there in Flagler County that wants to join and help us, you're not going to get paid. Because all our people, 100%, are all volunteers. Okay, folks. Well, you hear it right there. And and, uh, check out our Facebook page. You'll see our article. And please give Mike a call and help us all out. Have a good weekend. SolarFit Renewable Energy Radio Show paid for by SolarFit.